Welcome to Jerusalem Studio Podcast. Join us to discuss the latest updates from Israel and the region. Shalom and welcome to Jerusalem Studio. Reports out of Vienna regarding the indirect talks between Iranian and American negotiators on the terms of mutual return to the 2015 nuclear deal indicate they have already basically agreed that the return to the deal will be full compliance for full compliance with a step-by-step approach rather than halfway measures. There are still two issues on which there are gaps between the parties, the sequencing of lifting sanctions and reversing uranium enrichment and the separation of those sanctions to be lifted from those that are not. So how close are they to concluding their task and what are the implications for the Middle East at large and Israel in particular? To analyze this topic, we're joined from New York City by Dr. Oli Heinonen, who is the former Deputy Director General of the International Atomic Energy Agency and a Distinguished Fellow at the Stimson Center in Washington, D.C. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Also joining us from the United Kingdom is Colonel Richard Kemp, who is the former head of the United Kingdom's International Terrorism Intelligence Team at the British Cabinet Office. Thank you for joining us as well. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Indeed. And with me here in the studio is our TV7 analyst and host of Watchmen Talk, Mr. Amil Oren. Amil, give us a broader understanding on the latest developments pertaining to the Iranian nuclear file. So earlier uh, this week, uh, American uh, chief negotiator Rob Malley and uh, his colleagues uh, have returned to Vienna to start the third round of the talks um, between themselves, the other parties uh, to the deal, and then the other parties with the Iranians, even though uh, one suspects that there is also a back channel where drafts uh, have already uh, uh, been uh, given back and forth. Now, um, in briefings before the third round, uh, one um, uh, could get the impression that uh, the adversary the Biden administration is facing is not the uh, Khamenei regime, but rather the predecessor Trump administration, because uh, Mali and his colleagues have been blaming the uh, Trump administration for making life very hard for them, um, especially in uh, having more sanctions than uh, were supposed uh, uh, to be um, put on Iran because of non-compliance um, on the nuclear field. Uh, and uh, the Biden team blames the Trump team for uh, getting uh, human rights uh, sanctions and terrorist-related sanctions, so that now the uh, effort being done in Vienna focuses on sifting those three kinds of sanctions, those uh, which are obviously related to the nuclear deal and uh, would be lifted once the Iranians go back to compliance, those uh, which are obviously not related and will be lifted unilaterally, and a gray area, a third basket in between. And apparently this is right now uh, what they are doing in Vienna. And as they said in Washington, they are um, still farther away uh, from the uh, midpoint towards an agreement than for, from the beginning. That is, they have more than 50% uh, of the work to do. So uh, time is short, 
Everyone wants to uh, finish it before the June elections in Iran, but it is not certain yet that they will get it done. Well, blaming the Trump administration is, of course, very convenient for the Biden administration at this stage. I can tell you with assurance, even though not hearing it from him directly, that President Trump did not expect Biden to replace him. Thus, all the 1,300 uh, sanctions which were imposed on Iran, whether they were nuclear-related or not, uh, were done in accordance with uh, a broader strategy that uh, had, at the time, uh, been uh, in play. But I'd like to ask uh, uh, one of our distinguished guests, Dr. Uh, Oli Heinonen, with regard to the process, the Iranians claim that the moment the sanctions are lifted, uh, they uh, uh, will be able to, within a day or two, uh, re-enter into compliance with the 2015 nuclear agreement based on uh, the negotiated parameters that were conducted back uh, pre uh, the, the implementation of that deal. Is that viably so, or is this just an illusion in order to try and uh, persuade the Americans to do so as quickly as possible? Well, technically, they certainly can stop the production of high uranium enrichment and go back to the numbers and inventories which were before. But it will take some time to dismantle the equipment. They have installed a lot of new centrifuges, IR2Ms, IR4s, IR6s, etc., including their cascade uh, piping. So those will take a few, I think at least few weeks to dismantle entirely because you don't want to rip them off. You take them nicely away and put it in the storage. So that will take some time. But uh, we have to also to uh, remember the term irreversibility. It's not irreversibility when you stop production of enriched uranium. You need to dismantle the infrastructure. And then what is more important here is there's one part which is not irreversible, and this is the experience which has been now gathered during the last uh, one and a half years, in a, going into higher enrichments, etc. And they have experimented also enrichments which went well beyond those schemes what AQ Khan had given them. So they, when they come out from that, it's not the same situation as uh, 2015. And therefore, the constraints in JCPOA plus or whatever it is, they ought to be very different from what we had today. Nevertheless, it seems, Colonel Kemp, that uh, the Biden administration, alongside its E3 partners, as well as China and Russia, are quite uh, uh, willing to re-engage with Iran based on the parameters of the 2015 agreement and not necessarily immediately lengthen and strengthen the deal as was uh, repeatedly claimed by uh, the, the administration officials from the United States uh, over and over again. Uh, to what degree is there uh, a situation in which once the, lift, uh, the sanctions are lifted, the Iranians are capable then to use that money and then finance their various activities and not necessarily have the leverage on the Western part in order to mitigate those Iranian efforts, which were quite apparent following the implementation of the 2015 agreement. Yeah, well, we shouldn't forget why President Trump, in my opinion, rightly withdrew from the JCPOA and applied a maximum pressure campaign against Iran. And that was because, first of all, the JCPOA, the nuclear deal, um, really enabled Iran in, in due time 
to have a nuclear weapons capability legitimately um, as a result of the sunset clauses, uh, which were part of the, the deal. And of course, you know, rightly, Trump wanted a new deal with those clauses removed. Also, he wanted something to be associated with the Iran deal, which hadn't been, which was Iran's nuclear, sorry, Iran's ballistic missile program, um, and also Iran's regional aggression. Now, in my view, those those three areas of, of deep concern, as well as things like verification re regime for for the for the deal, um, th those are the based the terms on which uh, President Biden should be looking to get back into a deal with uh, Iran. Of course, he isn't doing so, as you pointed out. He's he's very desperately head headlong uh, going back into the original deal. The, the, the administration's stated intention was to revert to the 2015 deal as stage one and then negotiate a better deal later. Of course, that was never likely to happen because once Iran is back into the 2015 deal, it gives them what they want. Um, it gives them, you know, vast funding which they can draw upon not only for the nuclear weapons system, but also for their remaining regional aggression. So I think, you know, as it was originally, this remains a deeply flawed deal. And I think it's a grave mistake for the Biden administration to get back into it. Indeed. I'd like to go back to what you mentioned earlier, Mr. Owen, and, and that is specifically about the nature of the sanctions imposed by the Trump administration. Some of them were indeed uh, nuclear-related sanctions, and then some, which are the more significant ones, uh, and Iran is adamant on having those lifted as well, are not necessarily nuclear-related, but rather are uh, terror-related deals, including sanctions on the Islamic Revolutionary Guards and uh, other components within uh, uh, the Ayatollah regime. The, uh, the Biden administration, excuse me, did indicate that uh, it is allowed to sanction and to maintain sanctions on the regime in light of the fact that uh, the RGC is uh, conducting terrorist-related activities and, of course, other aspects of humanitarian uh, breaches and such. Uh, but the Iranians would not budge on this. They have indicated that to the Americans and have made sure that both the Chinese and the Russians, which have quite keen interest in having those sanctions removed as well for various business ventures with the Iranians, uh, would convey that to the Americans indirectly. What can we see in this situation, considering the fact that time and again you have also mentioned the urgency with which the Biden administration is moving ahead in order to see such a, uh, a deal bringing both sides once again into recompliance? What is being negotiated now in Vienna is a deal about the deal. It is not the deal itself yet. It is how to approach it, how to get uh, about it, uh, the sequence of uh, uh, several steps that the Americans will take, not all of them, and then uh, several steps that the Iranians will take. Perhaps uh, it will be the uh, in reverse order uh, that the Americans will take most of the steps after the Iranians take the, the first steps. And as uh, one of the American briefers uh, said, obviously alluding to um, a famous uh, uh, justice maxim, it is uh, about the JCPOA, only about the JCPOA, and all of it about the JCPOA. And that is um, a reference 
to actually two deals. One is about the nuclear basket and the other regarding what you referred to, the uh, terror uh, designation of the IRGC, but which, of course, they came back and tried to designate CENTCOM, the American Central Command, as a terrorist organization, very, very laughable. And stylistically, what one sees here is um, a reverse uh, order. The Iranians uh, behave as if they are the superpower. They say that they will have to verify that the Americans have really lifted the sanctions before they will agree to do their part. They will have to verify that money is indeed flowing back from the sanctions. Now, whether they do it in order to later tell the public that they have won um, because uh, posture is important, face is important, or whether they are going to elicit real concessions remains to be seen. But obviously, the Biden administration is so eager to go back to the deal that they may make uh, substantial concessions just in order to have this deal. I'd like to highlight something which uh, uh, Dr. Heinon and you posted on, on your Twitter account as well with regard to the sunset clause, which also uh, Colonel Kemp alluded to um, uh, several months ago. And, and that is about uh, the key sunsets under the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action uh, and UN uh, Security Council Resolution 2231. And uh, this is basically about what it entails, and that is... Uh, after five years of the deal, the UN arms embargo ended, select uh, UN-sponsored visa bans lifted, uh, which already occurred uh, prior, uh, which uh, the Trump administration tried to thwart. However, the UN Security Council didn't seem to care what the Trump administration at that stage uh, uh, put forward. The second point would be eight years, which is uh, not far from around the corner, and that is the U.S. and EU-UK sanctions on select proliferation-linked entities lapses, UN-sponsored ban on imports-exports of missile-related equipment and technology expires, UN prohibition on Iranian ballistic missile launches ends, and UN-sponsored asset freezes terminate. Then the year eight and a half of the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action from 2015, that is, then the advanced centrifuges restrictions begin to sunset. Ten years later, past UN Security Council resolutions related to Iran's nuclear program terminate. Um, and UN procurement channel for nuclear-related imports ends. Snapback mechanism to restore international sanctions on Iran expires. Eleven years restriction on mass development of centrifuges, including advanced centrifuges, begin to sunset. 13 years remaining restrictions on advanced centrifuges deployment lifted. And by the year 2030, no cap on enrichment purity level, no cap on enrichment uranium stockpile, enrichment permitted at Fordow fuel enrichment plant, uh, new enrichment plants permitted. Uh, plutonium reprocessing prohibited lifted, heavy water reactors permitted, no cap on heavy water product, uh, production, domestic stockpiling. All of this until 2030 with various stages along the way. Dr. Heinonen, how can we return to the 2015 nuclear agreement if all of those things would grant Iran a path to a nuclear weapon unless we uh, provide new restrictions which would ensure to the international community 
that Iran is going to behave in accordance with international norms? To behave, but is one thing. But when I look all these negotiations from EU3 from uh, fall 2003 until today, Iran has five goals. One, the most important, maintain the enrichment program. Second, keep the discussions about the missile program out. And third, if possible, reduce the sanctions. But there has been calls in this route where they decided that it's better to accept sanctions than reduce enrichment. And this took place in 2005, in particular, when the dossier went from the IAEA to the UN Security Council. So Iran knew that sanctions were to come. So I think that they will continue under these circumstances to develop their nuclear latency, which has two elements, missiles, ballistic and cruise missiles, capable to transport nuclear warheads and have a reasonably high enrichment capacity which can be turned quickly to produce high-enriched uranium if needed. This is their goal. And that's why when I look like a list of uh, missiles which have been developed since 2015 or fielded, there are six, five, six of them. Cecil, Kader, Emad-1, Solfagar, Desful, they all are capable to carry nuclear warheads. So I don't think we can go back to the uh, 2015 uh, uh, circumstances. It's like, you know, try to go to today's or tomorrow's to wars with yesterday's tools. So the JCPOA has to be radically revised. And last few weeks show the reason for that also. Iran has demonstrated it can quickly boost the enrichment and use that as a weapon in the negotiations. So I don't think we want to, this to happen again in a couple of years' time when some other dispute comes. And then last but not the least, I see a little bit disturbing that there is also talk about the lifting sanctions on human rights. This should not be a even topic to be discussed. And similar activities related to terrorism. Those sanctions should be not lifted unless there is a performance. They are not nuclear related. Indeed. Colonel Kemp, I'd like to ask about the verification. Of course, the IAEA uh, is engaged in that in a limited capacity at this stage. But under the JCPOA, uh, they had various mechanisms in place which allowed them to uh, uh, to verify that Iran was indeed uh, being in compliance with the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, all the while not in pursuit or direct pursuit of uh, a nuclear weapon. However, one of those pillars which both of you uh, or the three of you have uh, justifiably uh, mentioned is that the ballistic missile uh, program is also a key pillar in the development of a nuclear weapon. Under Security Council Resolution 2231, uh, the international community called on Iran not engaged in nuclear or ballistic uh, uh, missile tests or using such technology capable of delivering nuclear wa uh, warheads. To what degree do you think that now that Iran has reached the capacity of developing those kind of ballistic missiles capable of carrying nuclear payloads, uh, the international community is able to somehow 
mitigate Iranian efforts to then use this in order to uh, advance its aspirations, which ultimately are um, in order to develop a, a deterrent capacity uh, that would then enable it to engage in other activities in the region unhindered. I think that's a real, a real, um, a real danger. Of course, it is. Uh, before I answer, I'd just like to also say I completely agree with everything that Dr. Heinen just said on on the dangers of reverting to the 2015 deal. He's absolutely right. Um, you know, the, the the when we speak of verification, the first part of your question, um, the 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 nuclear dossier that was stolen, the nuclear archive that was stolen from. Uh, Tehran by the Israelis a couple of years back, it showed, it spelt out, not just that Iran had been um, breaching all forms of verification, um, not e even before the, uh, the JCPOA began, it had been, it had been uh, working against it, and it, it, it set out in detail how Iran systematically uh, misled nuclear inspectors and systematically uh, made incorrect statements, and and and, and the, they were doing that. You know, they were doing that long before the JCPOA. They didn't stop when the JCPOA came in. Um, there's no reason at all to expect, unless there is the strictest possible verification regime that they sign up to and agree and accept, that they will uh, adhere to these uh, the different uh, facets of the JCPOA. And they've shown they've shown since the US withdrew from the JCPOA that they just will do as that exactly as they like. Um, in terms of de development of ballistic missiles and, and other w nuclear delivery systems, um, they, they, they have the technology. They, the, the, the funds that are released to them as a result of sanctions relief and, uh, and you know, for, for example, funds that are currently frozen in different countries around the world, that will also be available to them to develop these further nuclear delivery systems as well as the nuclear weapons, as well as their regional aggression. So we can only expect um, them to pursue that path. And there is very little if the international community has shown that it's willing to basically to back down and to appease Iran at every step of the way, as we're seeing today in Vienna. Um, you know, why, 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 where, where are we going to get the, the resolve and the steel to do anything in the future? And we shouldn't forget also... Um, you know, the recent in the last week, news has come out of Iran that um, that Foreign Minister Zarif said that he basically he has no control. He has no real authority in Iran. Everything is decided by the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps. So effectively, the, the, the Europeans in Vienna are negotiating not with the Iranian foreign ministry. They're negotiating with a designated terrorist organization, the IRGC. Um, and we've seen also other examples of the way that Iran treats people with whom it's negotiating. Britain is part of these negotiations at the moment. Um, and only a few days ago, uh, Iran sentenced a, Br a dual British-Iranian uh, national who's already served many years in prison to another prison term, completely without justification, completely uh, outside any any sort of recognised standards of justice, on the basis that Britain will, as basically as a, as a form of blackmail, a hostage taking in effect, to get Britain to pay four hundred million pounds 
in revenue that Iran claims it owns as a result of a cancelled tank deal that occurred back in 1979. So while negotiating, they're also trying to take hostage and extort funding from the people they're negotiating with. It's, it's actually, in my view, it's farcical that we would continue to negotiate with Iran under those circumstances. Indeed. Mr. Ogan, I'd like to humor your thought with regard to those negotiations, considering the fact that the United States is quite keenly shifting uh, or opting to shift uh, its attention from uh, the central command area of operations to the the uh, area of operations of the South China Sea and, and focusing more on the great power competition between the United States and China, uh, and then to a lesser degree with Russia as well, uh, are the negotiations potentially uh, a point in which the United States wants to draw the Iranians away from doing uh, significant business with the Chinese uh, and then driving them into debt, which then would force the Iranians to relinquish all of the infrastructure to the Chinese within Iran, uh, something that would inevitably happen unless they have uh, the, the funds to, to um, stay away from such a procedure. Well, the last option uh, which you uh, mentioned was indeed part of the Trump administration's uh, policy. And the Biden people would tell you that uh, it did not have the desired effect, but rather that the uh, Iranians put more money into terrorism, malign activities, uh, their help to the Houthis and Hezbollah and others. Now, this is in dispute, but this is the Biden uh, line. Um, uh, of course, the Iranians uh, want a deal. The Americans want a deal even more. And um, what sort of a deal is a secondary question. First of all, both of the major parties uh, want to get back to some delicate equilibrium because they all know that if the deal is not to the liking of other parties in the area, the Saudis, obviously the Israelis, it will not be sustained. If Israel suspects that this is just a sham, that under the uh, renewed deal, Iran is racing to the bomb, something will happen. And this is not in the interest of the Americans or the Iranians. But obviously, President Biden uh, has made a strategic decision that he wants to close the Iranian file and perhaps the entire Middle Eastern file for the reasons which you mentioned. He wants to pivot to the East. So for him, it is less important whether this agreement will have certain clauses, whether it will be 80% beneficial or only 60% beneficial. He wants a deal. Even if it comes at the expense of uh, U.S. allies and partners in the region, unfortunately, uh, which uh, we'll have to wait and see. But this is all the time that we have for today. So I'd like to thank Colonel Kemp, Dr. Oli Heinonen, and Mr. Owen for being part of today's panel. And I'd like to thank our viewers as well. And we will see you next time. Thank you for joining us in another Jerusalem Studio podcast. For more content on Israel and its region, we invite you to visit our website at tv7israelnews.com and follow us on social media.